Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for being here wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about my guest today. I love his videos. They're amazing. You've probably seen him. His name is Hans Wilhelm. Hans Wilhelm explains complicated spiritual laws and concepts in short and free videos in a very unique and simple way. Hans explores the bigger picture perspective of our spiritual reality. His videos have been so successful, they've already been watched by over 14 million viewers and the number of YouTube channel subscriptions has jumped to 150,000 or maybe more now. Hans is the author and illustrator of over 200 books for all ages, including some together with Byron Katie. His books have sold over 40 million copies and are translated into 30 languages. His videos are also available for free on his website, lifeexplained.com. Han says, my mission is to offer these videos to inspire viewers to question and explore spirituality and their own relationships to the universe. This is his story and this is his passion, Hans. I'm honored and excited and so many things that you're on the show. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for inviting me, Louisa. I'm delighted and honored to be here. I've seen some of the shows and I'm really thrilled to be that, you, that I'm one of the many guests you're having. So it's, it's great. It's a great opportunity. I was speaking to you before the show and normally I have kind of a structural guideline for guests, but Hans said to me, just do whatever comes from your heart and we'll just allow the free flowing to be explored here. So first I'd like to ask you, how do you know or understand all these spiritual truths and concepts? Just maybe a little bit of a background about the incredible work you do and how you came to do it. Well, I've always been interested in the spiritual reality uh, when I was a young man. <clears throat> and very early in life, I, was, I started with TM when I was, I think, 18, and then Edgar Cayce, Rudolf Steiner, and many, many different paths. So that's now over 50 years of learning different spiritual paths. And I went rather intensely, uh, intensive with some of them. And in the last 20 or so years, I'm very much linked to the teachings that come in Germany through a woman called Gabriele, which come directly from the divine reality, from God, Christ, or any of the uh, angels of wisdom and so on. And I found uh, her material most compelling and it puts everything together. I, I like the simplicity. I like the clarity. It's in today's language, which is very helpful, like it gets, uh, K, uh, Casey and so on. It's very difficult to understand and so Steiner and many others, but it is in today's language. And I have tried to apply most of these teaching in my life all the time for the last 20 years as well. And I see the changes, so they work for me. And I'm sharing them. It wasn't my original idea. The idea came from my father when he was dead. <laughs> when before my father died, he didn't believe in life after death. Uh, and when he died, we children were with him for a little while uh, before uh, at his, just a few weeks before he died. 
and we took turns. And one day I was, it was my turn. So I spoke with him. I said, look, that I know that you don't believe in life after death, but just in case your soul continues. And then, then explained to him more or less what will happen after death. And sort of he listened to it, smiled and says, all right, that's your belief, forget about it. And so anyway, he died soon and I totally forgot about this episode. But it was five years later when I heard about a young man who was communicating with the departed one and he was very successful. People really liked him. And he was, he just launched a new book and in the local bookstore, he was going to presentation. So I made sure to meet him. And to be sure that I got a seat, I arrived early and I sat down, closed my eyes for a little meditation when somebody tapped me on my shoulder and he says, hi, I'm Roland Comtoy, which is the, the author and the person I wanted to see. And I saw you coming in and when you come in, your father came in right away as well. And he said to me, go over to this young man over there, that is my son, and tell him that I'm deeply grateful for all the information he gave me before I died, because whatever he said came true. Oh. And he says, I am now working at a station where a lot of souls are arriving and I see that total confusion and so many souls are I'm not even aware that they're dead and what happened to them. So he says, could, could you please tell him to make books and write books about it to tell the world about what he knows. So I am a writer and I've done books, but I also know that spiritual books are not really such hot sellers. And I says, there must be something better. And I realized also when I was young, I didn't have, there was no internet. And I really, it was difficult for me to find information. And I find there's a lot of young people as well. And I says, where are the young people? And of course, at that time, there before in the, in the TikTok, they were on YouTube. Right. So I said, I'm making some YouTube videos, very short one from my understanding. And I merely offer them. I have no need to convince anybody. What I share is merely my personal understanding. And if it works for somebody, it is great. And if it doesn't work, that's great too. I cannot prove a single thing what I'm sharing. I can only say I've tried it out in my own life and I found it right for me and it made sense. And what I did in these videos is uh, very different than most spiritual videos. I visually show how these things, how the dots connect. How, for instance, the law of attraction works, how the law of projection, how the law of karma, where, all, where the karma is stored and so on. And when we see this visually, it becomes so clear, much clearer to understand, particularly for myself. I make this video mostly for myself so that it's clear in my own head. And then I share that. So I'm the first one who learns, the first one who grasps it and understands it. And my motto here is that what Albert Einstein always said, if you cannot explain it to a six-year-old, you probably haven't understood it yourself. So my videos are very... Um, not simple, but they are very clear. I hope they're very clear. They are. I love them. And so that uh, a lot of parents actually do show these videos to their children for them to understand. Children have a much easier way to grasp these concepts because when we get older, we get so stuck in our belief system that it's not always easy to adjust to a different way of thinking. So these are for all ages now, and I just draw them and uh, send them out into the universe. They're totally free and uh, hope for the best. And so far the reaction has been overwhelming and I'm learning continuously. And the little I learn, I share with whenever I have something new to share, it's once a month. And I also have a newsletter which comes out once a month where I highlight and explain the new video and some other things which may be of interest for anybody who is on the spiritual path. So that's basically the background. 
it's wow. wonderful how this life has led you to this and um, what a what a beacon of light you are in the world. The videos are wonderful. I encourage everyone to go and look at them. I just wanted to touch on um, the teachings. Of, was it Gabriella you mentioned? Gabriella, yes. Is she living? She's still living, yes. Because I haven't heard of her. How do people find her? And I'll put the link in the show notes, all uh, your details. And Yes, her material comes from a very high vibration. And she or the spiritual world is not very fond of what we call our internet. This is really a very crude, I would say maybe demonic kind of um, substitute for our normal skills. Whatever we normally can do through telepathy to understanding, etc., traveling, etc., the internet is now doing, providing us. And there is a lot of negativity on the internet, as you know. It is so bad that recently our country really divided, split into half, caused by the internet, by the media most of the, the extremes. So there is a lot of negativity. So she makes sure that her material does not appear anywhere on the internet. Okay. It is only available on books and she has a television station. There is a television station which also shares her, her information. That television station can be reached by the internet and I'm happy to inform anybody there who writes to me. But so she's very carefully, that's why you cannot Google her and you cannot find her, but she has got millions of people around the world following her. And um, it is a very, very deep understanding. There is no membership, which is very important. There is no hierarchy, there are no priests, there is nobody, there is no, nothing to join. It's total freedom, like divinities, like God is total freedom. It's a respect, it's totally you, where you can come and you can go, you can take what you like, you can leave what you like. So this teaching is of a very, very high vibration. And she's trying desperately to keep it on that vibration and that it does not get distorted on the internet. Very interesting. And does she speak in English? Her, yes, all the books are translated in English and her, uh, uh, yes, and, and uh, CDs as well. Yes, there's an English publisher as well. It's called Gabriele Publishing House, G-A-R-B-R-I-E-L-E, publishing-house.com. There you can find all the books. And that's where I take most of my material to under, for understanding it myself and you know, draw it the way, trying not to distort it in any form or fashion. But I'm not linked to that organization. Yes. It's still my personal interest yes. to do that. How interesting. I've, I've got a lot of questions for you and I don't, in the interest of time, I don't know which one to start first. They're like pushing at me which, which question to ask you, but I did have it on the top of my list, soulmates, and so many people are interested in this concept of soulmates. So I'd love to start there if you're comfortable with talking about that. Sure. Well, I think we can first, we have to find out why are we here? Why are, are most people here on this planet Earth? And it is my deep understanding that planet Earth is a school. It is a time where we spend for maybe 20,000 uh, days or whatever uh, here on the planet Earth is 800,000 hours. It's a very short time where we come here and we have this very, very intense schooling, which we do not have in the spiritual realm because the spiritual realm, there everything is like attracts like. We are surrounded by like-minded spirits. There is not much interaction with other possibilities and other views. Furthermore, we also don't have our physical body in the spiritual world, which means all karmic blows hurt us much more in the spiritual world than here on earth where we have a physical body. So on earth, we can purify ourselves, we can clear up our karma, and we can learn and slowly grow and become 
perfect again. This is basically in a nutshell. Now, what do we do when we are a young person, when we have a wonderful family, we have friends, we have dogs, we have pets, we have our beloved grandmother or whatever it is, but suddenly we are asked to leave home and be totally on our own and we go to college. So while we can go to college. Mm -hmm. But there suddenly, this is a very important moment for us to become who we are. We are no longer taking any pets along, any family members, our best friend, they're usually not there. We are totally alone. That is important for us to learn, to really know who we are. And that is also the reason why most of us, the vast majority is here without our soulmate. We all have a soulmate in the spiritual world, it's called a dual. And then it's just our totally like two halves, fitting totally perfectly together. But there's a reason why the soulmate does not incarnate with us at the same time. It is the reason is that we become very strong, strong in our belief in love, in God, in trust, and really to develop this. If we had our best friend, our soulmate with us, we totally would rely on them and we would not really grow. We would just totally take this, our security blanket. So growth would be very limited. Now there are many instances where the soulmate does incarnate together, where the couple incarnates together. But that is usually not to use these years as a school growth, as a school term. It is more when they want to bring a teaching, when they want to bring a healing, then they support themselves by incarnating at the same time and bring this light into the world. This is very different and that's not the majority. The majority are here to clean up our karma. So the rule number one is most likely our dual, our soulmate has not incarnated. But there are many others who really can be our soul partners, who can be very intimate, wonderful partners. They are just ideal and we are together with them and we can have a very enriching and beautiful relationship with them. But the partners are different than the soulmate. The partner does something very interesting. The partner always challenges us. We may be deeply in love, everything may go well, but once in a while, just sort of he gets or she gets on our nerves. That's annoying, that's isn't it? Annoying. <laughs> and that is important. That has to be the way so that we can grow. And wow, what is this? Why am I still upset when she or she does this? What have I to clear up? So the soul partner comes into our life for growth. And we have been with these soul partners many times in lifetimes, not necessarily as a couple, it can be brother and sister, can be parents and child, but it is usually a soul we have incarnated before and we feel very, very comfortable with them. It's nearly like a soul mate, but it isn't a soul mate, it is a soul partner. And our main goal, of course, here in life is truly to develop the inner connection to God within, to Christ, to God within. And that can be done when we are on our own. Then when, there is, when we understand that there is definitely nothing to hold on to in this world of illusion, in this reality in which we have incarnated, the only solid hold we have is in us, is divinity God in us. And there is, that's another reason why we are coming alone, like going alone to the college, to develop this love, to develop this skill, to be with God and to become loving and understanding. And the final point is, we may miss the soulmate, but in truth, every human being who is before us right now with whom we are interacting is basically our soulmate because we should and must treat that person as lovingly as we would treat our own soulmate. 
So anybody around us is as well our soulmate because everything is in us as well. The essence of the entire creation is in us. So there's nothing outside, there is no separation. Does it answer your question on the soulmate? That, that question and many more, and you answered that so beautifully. I almost like went into a trance listening to you. I love listening to you. So the purpose of, of us reincarnating into a physical body is to learn and grow. It's a teaching. Yes, to, to reawaken of who we truly are. We all were perfect beings. We do not uh, become perfect. We were perfect when we once left the, the the divine heavens, which we call the fall, and billions of souls or angels are pure spirit beings left, and we created these four worlds, which we call the worlds outside, the spiritual world outside of the pure reality of our true home. And at the lowest level is the material level. This is at the lowest level, and that where is where we are at right now. So our goal is for slowly to return back home where we are. We have been. All of us are pure spiritual being and perfect spiritual being, but we have to our self-will, we have burdened ourselves. And the more we burdened ourselves, the more karma we created, and the further we fell away, fell away from uh, this pure uh, heaven. And it is our goal slowly to return back home. So we don't have to struggle hard to become perfect because we were perfect. All we have to do is to forget and undo all the nonsense which over time we have adopted. And through all our incarnations at some point, well, hopefully, <laughs> we, yeah. we will become perfect and no longer need, we will return home. There's no longer any need to reincarnate. When we have cleared up the first four levels of these seven levels, then there is no draw, then there's no pull back anymore for reincarnation. And then we get pulled back higher to the spiritual world. So we have to achieve the first four levels. And we can do this in one lifetime here. We can really reach a level of purity, purity and uh, divinity that will allow us to reach the fourth level so that we can then be pulled up. So there is no need for reincarnation. I hear over and over again that people say, oh, I don't want to reincarnate anymore. I'm tired of it and so on. But let us also understand that a reincarnation is also a gift that we can give others. We can come here and help others. If whatever we have learned and whatever we have grasped, we can be here. There may be many souls who are very more confused and need some help. So loving souls incarnate, not for their own selves uh, grows, but also to help others to be there, like a mother incarnates to have a child who may be handicapped and so on. So there are many other reasons why we incarnate. And one of them could be that we incarnate to help others out of love for others. Instead of out of love for myself, I don't want to incarnate anymore, but maybe we reach a level that we become altruistic and truly loving for others, and then we have no problems incarnating again, even if it means maybe a difficult life. You mentioned in this lifetime, we can reach the four stages of having not to reincarnate. How does one do this? I'm told that I haven't achieved it, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> This comes actually from the teachings from, from, from Gabi and from the Christ himself in his books and so on. He says it's quite possible. So it's quite, quite possible. But that's why I say, let the not being, not reincarnating again, not be our main goal. We may want to actually come back to help others. Mm -hmm. We come automatically. The more loving we become, the less it becomes important whether or not we incarnate. 
it's only when we are very much concerned about ourselves and I don't want to come here again, this life is too horrible. For most people, it is difficult. Yeah, it is very, very dramatically difficult, even if we may be living in wealth and living and having all the needs fulfilled, people still struggle every day emotionally, mostly. Many, most people or many people are very, very confused and uh, are not enjoying the life. And life is not necessarily for enjoyment. As I said, it is school. School can be fun, but it is, can also be very dramatic. There can be really a cleansing. It's a cleansing process, and that can be sometimes painful. But compared to eternity, what are uh, 800,000 hours? Nothing. <laughs> Just dipping into this world for a little short time, like we go to the movies at the olden times when we still went to movie houses. We don't do that anymore. But there we go for two hours to forget ourselves, get into an emotional up and down, a horror movie or whatever it is, and then we come out and the world continues and our life continues again. This is exactly what happens with reincarnation. We go here, we go to this drama of incarnating here, being a little baby growing up and so on, and then we go back sooner than we think. This goes so, so, so fast. <laughs> it's, re it's interesting. And I, I like what you mentioned before when we were discussing soulmates, but talking about if someone a, a partner, a mother, a father, um, this, this conflict or annoys us in some way, it actually is a way, uh, something we need to learn. They're teaching us a lesson or is it a reflection of what we need to know? Well, every time we have a disturbing emotion, that shows us there is something in us that is not clear. It is not loving. The outside world is nothing but a reflection of ourselves. It's just a big movie screen. And wherever we look, we see basically no one else than ourselves. And every time we see a disturbance, somebody who upsets us, a situation which upsets us, means the same thing is in me. And that's where I have to do the healing. I have to hear the projector first, and then the screen will clear up as well. Very simple, I explain it in my video, the law of projection. Yes. We only see because we have got human eyes and the human eyes are material eyes. They can only look on a surface that we are, where we see ourselves. They do not penetrate a person, uh, the surface. When we reach a spiritual level, spirits, can walk through walls. As you know, the higher vibration can always penetrate the lower vibration, but the lower vibration cannot penetrate the higher vibration. So everywhere where we look, we only see ourselves reflecting always back to us. The whole universe is nothing but sending and receiving, sending and receiving continuously through our aura, through what we are thinking, what we are feeling, our sensations. We are continuously sending out this vibration into the world around us and it always comes back to us. And so we see always ourselves. So every time we are upset, it is not about the person who has done something to us. It is always a sign that there's something in us. And strangely enough, I know people don't believe it because it's maybe too much for you here for the first time. And it was for me too, and I didn't want to believe it, but I have not found ever an exception to that rule. Anybody who upsets us in my life is merely reflecting something back that is not loved in me, something that I have suppressed or expressed in one way or the other myself. It's, it's an interesting concept and one that's hard to grasp because it also means taking personal responsibility, that, that life doesn't happen to us, we create our life. Exactly. Yeah, personal responsibility is a key. 
If you want to become purified and want to become perfect again, that only steps with total responsibility. That means asking for forgiveness if we have wronged somebody, forgiving as well if somebody has forgiven, uh, done something to us, make offering amends if that is possible, and not doing it. And, and uh, of course, repentance as well. Repentance is very important. I know in a lot of New Age teachings, they say repentance, forget about it, just forgive and move on. But the repentance is a very strong element. We really have to feel that we are sorry about whatever we have done to another person, to the environment or to anybody else with thoughts, words, actions. That repentance deeply felt goes into our soul and stays there. And that element, this memory of repentance, deep remorse, is a way which may stop us the next time we come into the same situation. And suddenly it comes up and says, don't do it again. If we merely say, I forgive myself, I forgive it, it's a, it, there is nothing to ours to remember. And that is also our conscience. When we die on the other side and we see on the life review, which everybody will have to see of how we have lived our life, all the ups and downs, the good and the bad, but we will experience from the receiver, from the person we have interacted with, how they have felt by us doing, saying things which may be hurtful. This gets stored, this intense feeling in our soul, and that is, comes into a next incarnation, and it is part of our conscience, so that we are something in us still that says, don't do this anymore, don't do this anymore, even if we don't remember why or where it comes from. But there is this little, we call it the little voice and says, don't do it. So it's very important when we do the act of forgiveness and asking for forgiveness also to feel deep, deep remorse and ask Christ to forgive us if there's something which needs to be done from a higher spirit level and so on, because he is the healer and, 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 and the redeemer of, of all souls. So that is my belief. That, uh, well, I think your beliefs are wonderful. <laughs> I just wanted to touch when we were talking about soulmates before. And I'm of the same belief. It's hard sometimes. You mentioned we don't always need to look externally for a partner to nourish us or the act of missing because everything we have is already within us. And that's, a very, that's very hard as well because we look externally for things or places or people to um, fulfill us. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think this is definitely, we all want approval. We want to be loved by others. We want to be acknowledged and so on. That is, of course, that is one of our major drives. And that is something which causes all the problems that we want the outside world to confirm us, affirm us, love us, acknowledge us, respect us, and all these things. Makes total sense that this is a natural thing for us to do. But the world doesn't do that always. And then we have to have our own strengths in ourselves. To, to, to really uh, not react to it, but respond to it. The love from the outside world will come and go, and we cannot even, we cannot count on it. The only love, the only basis, the only security we have is in us. That is God in us, that God is love. And the love is in us, and so is Christ. The God spark is at our pituitary gland, and the Christ is our, in our heart chakras. So we have got these very strong divine elements in us, all of us, which are guiding us and helping us. And these are the sources of our strengths. They keep our body flowing of energy. That is where we get the energy. When we draw energy from the outside world, we're usually stealing it and then we have to give it back. 
So we have truly learned to live and love ourselves, to live with us and love ourselves. And I think that is one of the very difficult lessons we learn now in the time of the COVID center where so many single people particularly, but also people in relationships, for the first time are really forced to go within, forced to deal with themselves in a very limited distraction uh, except the internet. So eventually this is the opportunity to find the God within and to find the connection within and find that that is the only solid foundation we have when everything else around us can collapse and most likely will collapse one way or the other, whether it's political or governmental, um, financial or whatever, it's a lot of these things collapse, can collapse. And then our identification may be our cash book or our, our prestige where we live and so on may no longer be there. Who are we then? Who will appreciate us, who love and validate us? That can only come from within ourselves and the validation and love from God and Christ and God and Christ see us equal. Everybody is equally loved, whether we are the biggest sinner or whether we are a saint. And that feeling we can develop when we really go within. And it's quite possible. And I think that is the most important thing for us to learn in this lifetime to really this love for God and Christ. And when we have this love for God, all the others become not so important anymore. Of course, we enjoy other people affirming us, loving us, and there's nothing wrong with it. Because we are humans. We are social yeah. beings. There is a wonderful book, anybody who has that problem, by Byron Katie, whose work I really admire. It's called I Need Your Love. Is That True? It's in a magnificent book where she goes in great details and depths in, in it and sort of how important it is to live without that partner who ran away or left or whom we cannot get or whatever it is. It's a very powerful book and I really strongly recommend that. And how to, uh, you, you said it so beautifully, but ultimately the love that will always remain is the love that we have for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's the and only certainty we have. Particularly yeah. in these times, I mean, yes, in the absence of the physical touch, we only have the spiritual touch. What powerful and messages and learnings. Time for meditation. Go within. Get, get the, the secret is to find that inner peace, that sacred inner peace. We may not have images of God or Christ or whatever to, to see that, but when we feel that deep, deep inner peace, which we can reach in meditation, there's nothing outside the world which can compete with that. It is so rich. It is such a foundation. It is something where you don't really want to wake up from when you have reached it. So it is in us. We can reach it. So meditation is a very, very powerful tool. We now have the time when we are not yet back into our normal rat race. And use the time, learn to meditate and feel that and develop that skill to become the inner silence, the inner harmony, the quietness that's available to everybody. Meditation's wonderful. Um, I'm just thinking of simple tools for people to stop loneliness, particularly in these times or missing other people. How do, how do we stop that mental chatter that seems to be so prevalent to many of us? The negative mind chatter. I think we, yeah, that is a period we, everybody has to go through with meditation. It will always be there initially and it will take for some people weeks, sometimes months to calm it down. But there are, of course, exercises like slow and deep breath and so on, focus on the breath. So in, in 
see how the breath goes down, focus on certain body parts and so on. It's a question of focusing as well. And the most um, easiest, of course, in our breath. We do it consciously, very deep breath, maybe 10, 15, very deep, fill our whole body. And then we let it literally breathe and then we uh, and just watch our natural breath slowly. And always when another thought comes, come back to it. That would be just one of the uh, simple meditations, but there are a lot of guided meditations that we can do, which help us as well. And uh, I have got one of them in, in my videos as well. I'm going to make another one. And there are quite a lot of them available as in, in this as well about Gabriele, where you really slowly learn to become calmer and calmer. And then you reach the silence uh, in you, this total stillness. And uh, it's, you can't explain it in words. It's just blissful. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I'm just going back to the law of projection because it is such a hard concept to grasp that we do create what is around us, our, our holographic reality. So if we're experiencing conflict or we're not in, in happy or enjoying our life, how do we recreate it to enjoy it how do we recreate our holographic reality to find happiness and i know you did touch on this but i just want to go over it again because it's a hard concept to grasp and many people are probably asking the question how do i change how do i be happy how do i change what i see in front of me how do i achieve what i want to achieve well you partly answered it already i know you have but i'm sorry but i just want to no, go over it again to clarify no, it is taking responsibility to understand that it is never the other person who upsets us. It is only the, the program which this person displays, what he says, that is it suddenly waking up the same program as that's why it's also called the law of correspondence, because we correspond. We can also call it the triggering law. It's all the same law. Somebody says something, it triggers something off in us. We can also call it, you spot it, you, you, you got it. If you see it in someone else, which upsets you, you got it, and the law of um, uh, projection. So it has all the, the cattle calling the pot black and so on. There are many, many ways how people have known about this law. And it is actually very, very effective once we understand it, that the person out there who does something to us is doing something that we have done ourselves as well, or strongly uh, uh, suppressed it. For instance, if somebody, take an extreme, and I have it in my video, for instance, if somebody hits us physically, like in a wife beating kind of situation, or husband beating to be balanced here, and then this as well is a reflection of what happens in the a person who gets hit, because he or she has been hitting herself or himself all the time. I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good. She is hitting herself all the time. And this, how should I say, this uh, vibration mm -hmm. goes out into the world. I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. And then somebody comes from the outside world and physically hits us so that we wake up and says, what, this is what you have been doing to yourself. Now, at that moment, you probably will not, will not see it that way. But we have attracted this because we have continuously been beating ourselves up. And then finally, somebody from the outside world who is nothing but an angel in disguise, even if he is a brutal beast, does this to us in the same way as we have been doing to ourselves. 
but it takes responsibility. Now, of course, everybody in our society says this is a victim and this is a bad guy. Yes. This is how our media and all this is how people usually think. And for a certain level, yes, the person does, does did something wrong, and for that, he or she should have have the consequences. We do not be, go around and beat people up. That is against our free will. But on a deeper level, that is something which the so-called victim has done to herself all the time as well. I know this is very, very, very difficult to understand. And it also has to do sometimes with reincarnation, that sometimes a person comes into our life from a previous lifetime whom we have hurt in a previous lifetime, and they hurt us this time. That's what slavery and things like this can be something like this. So that nobody, all these things are moments for us to wake up. And before we curse the person or the outset situation, or for instance, we watch television and we see a lot of war there and people killing each other and we are very upset about it. So the first question is, where do I have war within myself? What am I fighting in myself? So everything out there is there is to help us, to bring us home. Every situation we are facing is here to heal us and to bring us home. They may look terrible, they may, may be brutal and painful, but it is all in the quote good because it all brings us back. And the pain we suffer sometimes can be nothing else but an outflowing of karma. So we can be freed of that karma. Thank you for clarifying that and what resonated so much with me and what I think is so important that many people, depending on the, the situation, stay in a victim mode. And if, if one stays in a victim mode, they can never really be free. No. Um, I wish I could find the right quote again. Um, who has hurt you more? Byron Katie said that, and I get it very wrong, but the meaning I forget. Who is hurting you more? The person who has hit you once, or you hitting yourself, thinking over and over, hitting yourself in your mind over and over and over again, that incident. Who is hitting you more? Uh, she, she puts it a little better. But I mean, this is the so thing. True. We carry this on. We carry this on. This happened once, and it's bad. But after that, we are victim, we are victim. And so we blow this out of perspective and we're victim. What get is of course attention. Oh, poor, you can't do this. Yes, the me too thing is all about poor. Yes, poor, poor you, poor you, poor you. Now, it is all a very different story if you go from a spiritual aspect. It is still wrong what the big person does individually. And we do not argue about that. But that it's happened to certain people only and not to others is no coincidence. There are no coincidences in this life. It's impossible. Everything is carefully orchestrated for our well-being, individually. I completely agree with that. I'd love to just backtrack. Um, <laughs> so important. You were mentioning you, you told your father what happens when we leave our physical body, when we transition. What does happen? Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm sure a lot of your viewers know this already. And uh, it's, it's, there are many, many things. First of all, a soul leaving the body, uh, usually with the last breath, and then is next to the body, and then starting to breathe in a different way. They continue breathing as well, but it's a spiritual breath. And the real death happens only when the, biblical, no, when, the, when the silver cord is cut. The silver cord connects us to the physical body. And when that is cut, there is no way that the soul can go back into the body. Because we leave, when we sleep, 
we live with our connected with our silver god we go into the realm of our dreams and every and that connects us to our physical body and we return but once the cord is cut then we are free now it depends if a person has been sick and very ill pre before his or her death then they usually go to a period where they will recover sort of like a hospital kind of thing a much lovelier much better setting for the soul to really recover from that but if it's not and it's very important if it's a person is not prepared of death and doesn't believe in life after death many of these souls cannot even grasp that they are dead and they find the identification the place of work where they live and so on and they get stuck there and they stay there and there's a wonderful movie about this ghosts for instance and the other movie is the others with nicole kidman if anybody want to watch these movies they are magnificent explaining this how a soul can get stuck not accepting that they have actually died and they are very or the sixth sense is probably one of the most famous one um that is that actually nobody interacts with them anymore and eventually then maybe they see this uh, the divine spirit beings who try to lead them out back to the higher spheres but if you do not believe in life after death then these spirit beings who are always there to help us and usher us back into where we need to be they will just not accept it by the soul she doesn't they don't they don't believe in it they're afraid of it or whatever so it takes time for many souls who have just died to accept that they are dead and then they move on so they move on firstly of course the life continues we all the record know that the life continues nothing dies it's only transition like going from one room to the other life is based is eternal then we will be attracted to the spheres of our that vibrates most to us where we are uh, if we have been a murderer we may be drawn to the spheres of murderers to take the next stream and if we have got a very strong muslim or whatever beliefs or whatever then we're getting very much drawn into that kind of spiritual realm where a lot of other souls believe the same thing and also the other thing which comes is our life review we all will have the opportunity to look back on our life of how we have lived every second of our life and how our life has impacted others i mentioned that earlier and in yes. that review we will feel and sense of how our words actions thoughts and sensations have impacted others and how they have felt this can be very painful at times but it is also very healing and it's very important for us to experience it so this does not happen with any judgment there is nobody sitting there like you are good or bad this is our own judgment we usually do this together with our guardian spirit to help us guide us so that we see what we have done have we fulfilled what we had planned to do in this lifetime have we become more loving more caring or have we become more selfish more self-centered all this will become very clear to us and then we will continue in the spheres that we that corresponds to our vibration and there we will continue our work now life on the other side of most of it doesn't look much different than here we have got homes there we have streets and whatever it is it lo looks very similar in the lower spheres at least and we feel uh, very most of us will probably very happy there for a while but then it becomes boring because and then we want to move on and then we want to learn more and then we want to challenge ourselves again and very often people then say it's time to reincarnate or to other tasks to move on so that in a brief way to explain what happens to most of us we all will continue living 
And when the beauty is, if we know this, we can do so much as we are still alive here. For instance, clear up all our unresolved relationships with our parents, even if they are no longer alive, we can still ask Christ to solve whatever needs to be solved there and that we are sorry for what we did and vice versa and that we love them. And any other family member, friend or whatever it is whom we feel have hurt or hurt us, try to find harmony with that soul in this lifetime. It is so, so, so very important because whatever we have not bound here, it binds us in the other world. And they will continue being us, our enemy or our find, uh, any enemy or our, uh, yeah, anybody with whom we have something to solve. And we have to maybe incarnate again to solve it here. Use our time, use our time to solve everything which binds us. And yes, I understand that a lot of people who say, you have no idea how bad my parents were or how bad this person was or that person and so on. I could never forgive them. Yes, you will forgive them. Eventually you will forgive them because eventually you will come from a space of love and kindness and you will see that whatever the other person did, he or she did because of their way of this, uh, how they saw the world and what they have a reason why they were the way they were. And when you see that and to forgive that and understand that, then we are all brothers and sisters on the same level. Nobody is better, nobody is worse. Just some of them are more confused than others. It's always a question of confusion. Only a confused person does bad things or painful things. As Byron Katie says, it does but question your thoughts and be clear about whatever we believe it. Is that true? Is that really true? And the confusion causes so much pain. And when we understand that the person was merely confused it's much easier to forgive and also understand that why we have been a lot of confused, confused a lot of time as well. And we hope that somebody will forgive us too for the many mistakes which we have made. It's true. And we don't want to come back to another life to have to, have to repeat the same lessons again. No, definitely not. Why? When you can do it now. You have the understanding now, do it now, do not wait. So if there's anything viewers may take home and they know it, there's nothing new. But take the opportunity, clear up. If one person only, that's already, it saves you at, at least one or more incarnations, whatever we can clear up now. I'm just thinking who I need to do that to. <laughs> Yeah, and don't be in if we if the person has died, it doesn't mean we cannot communicate or we cannot ask for forgiveness. But I want to mention do not do it directly. The soul who may have hurt us, or vice versa, whom we have hurt, and is now in the spiritual world, has their own things to do. The period of life he or she had with us is of not of no importance anymore. So don't continuously pull them back into our life and so on. Go to Christ, go to God and says, God, can you please connect with that soul and ask them that I'm terribly sorry for what, they, what I've uh, done and whatever it is, and vice versa, and you forgive them or whatever it is. Let God or, the, or Christ be the one to communicate with that soul. Do not connect directly with any soul on the other side. They have other things to do, and they can also bind themselves to us, which is another big problem about soul possession. I've made videos on that one as well. So, so not, should, should we not connect with souls that have passed on the other side? I would, this is my experience, and I would say what I believe. I would not do it directly anymore, no. 
Now, if other people believe differently, that is fine. But uh, there is no need for that. We can do, do, do it via God or by Christ and ask them to connect with them because I understand very much that they all are very busy on the other side. And they have their own life to lead and there is, it's not helpful to have a, a connection with that person. We can pray for the person, which means sending light to the person, like when somebody has died, to pray to them to that move on, that they see the light that they can move on. That is fine. But connecting with this, oh, I, I want to have my father and mother and so on, and connecting with someone, it's understandable that we do have these desires and wishes. But if we can control them and ask them to do this via Christ or God, we are much better served because we are freer. We do not tie them on us to each other. And freedom is the major goal here, why we do this. Everything is about freedom. We want to become free again. We want to become free from the earthly incarnation, from whatever draws us here in the earth, from all our, our vices or whatever it is and other things, we want to be free again. So the freedom then brings us back to this, to the uh, pure heavens, which is total freedom, where everybody is free in the will of God, in the divinity. But our self-will has caused us so many problems and has caused so many bindings here in this world and thereafter, and that needs to be sort of let go of. So becoming free again is important. And that means also let the other souls move on wherever they need to go. Because you don't really need them. You need the God and Christ in you. That is the only thing that in this lifetime is our only foundation. And that is our only source of strength. And that is the only thing which keeps our body alive and our mind alive and our soul alive. That, that, I mean, that's a very interesting point. Yes, needing externally. I, while you were talking about that, I just wanted to move on to fear and so many people are so fearful of so many things, and I believe fear is the opposite of love. What are your thoughts on fear? <laughs> a long time ago, I made a video on fear, but uh, I, think I think I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing which comes to my mind fear is usually uh, from our ego because we are afraid of losing our comfort something, our physical comfort or something which we think we are entitled to, something we want to have. And it is always related to our physical comfort, like fearing to lose my body by so illness, losing my money, losing my position, losing my love life, losing something like this has nothing to do with my soul, has mostly to do with our physical body, which our ego identifies with, because the ego tells us we are our body. Of course, we are not. The body is merely our coat for our soul. But our ego concentrates on our body. It's, it's a survival tool for our body. And some of the fear is very justified. Of course, you have to run when a tiger comes. So these fears are very practical fears. But very often, these fears are in our mind, and we fear this and we fear that. It helps to understand that these are all things which, if they come, that they have got a positive as well. Again, I come back to Byron Katie. She has got those uh, four question and turnaround, and they're very easy. And if you go to her website, you can download it for free. And she asks, what, imagine the worst thing that can happen. And then give me three reasons why that is actually good for you. Well, that is very powerful. And write it down. Why? Maybe if I lose my jobs, I have to go move somewhere else. Maybe I have to move back to my parents. 
and baby moving back to my parents, I finally can clear up my bad relationship I have with them, etc. So all these things can be positive. Every negative has a component of the positive. It cannot exist otherwise. So we focus on the positive, whatever we are fearing. We also become aware of what we are fearing is basically a loss of, our, of some comfort. So how can we do with our comfort? We got very used to it. the money we have, the position we have, whatever we have, the friends, the likes we have on our Instagram, <laughs> or whatever it is. And suddenly it's no longer there. Who am I then? You know? So let's look at that very carefully. And fear is also, somebody said this, fear is feeling excited and ready. F-E-A-R. Feeling excited and ready. Because the emotion or sensation of fear is the same like excitement. It's just only channeled different into our brain. For instance, a person is going on a, in a uh, what's it called? Uh, ah, these rides, these speed rides, uh, roller coasters. Oh, sorry. roller coaster. Roller coaster. Okay. So two people are going on <laughs> My wife goes on roller coaster. She hates it. She would never go on it. She would scream and she would be so scared. I would scream for joy because I really? love it. Yes, so the two <laughs> having the same excitement, but the one hates it, and I love it. So it, this is excitement. There is excitement in fear. So just feel that excitement. And, just, and, and also take your fears as an adventure, because now you are to, going to open up for something new. See it as an adventure, because fear always holds us back. I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose that. But open up and says, yes, maybe we, I sh we should lose it, or maybe I should lose this comfort or whatever. And then a new phase begins, a new adventure beginning, feeling excited and ready and calling our fears our new adventures. That's how I would see the fears. I love that. I think that's amazing, <laughs> feeling excited and ready. Anytime I'm feeling fearful, I'm going to refer to that. What can happen to you? Nothing. Nothing can happen to you. You can only lose your comfort, but you cannot lose anything else. You cannot lose yourself. You can have your soul. Your body is only a temporary garment, like your uh, beautiful top. I mean, that is that goes. We have to let everybody has to let go of it eventually. So, so what? Take care of it. So yes, you can die. Okay, but you know, life life continues, and then you have another adventure. So, what is there really, really to fear? It is only our worries, our thoughts that makes it so big when we sit there and says, oh, oh and this is over repeated thought, repeated thought, repeated thought, a repeated thought. And it makes us very depressed and very heavy. But it's a thinking, it's just a thinking. But in case it says, what is it really to ask ourselves? Is that whatever we fear, is it really true? Can you know for sure, is that true? And in all cases we say, no, we can't be really sure that it takes place. But if we think it, we are upset. But how would we feel if we do not think it? Wow. So it's a question of not what happens to me. It's a question of what am I thinking? And it's all, a, it's all a, a perception as well, because potentially if we embrace that fear, it could lead us to our next soul's purpose or our passions or our journey in life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Everything happens to us for us and not to us which is very important. Everything is here to, as, as medicine, everything is here to bring us home. And yes, there will be difficult times, difficult periods. I know that we have all gone through them all, but we have all survived them. And having survived the difficult periods is our uh, 
potential, our strength for the next whatever comes along. So we have done that. We have done a lot of, gone through a lot of shit, excuse the word, in the past. Good word. <laughs> and so we have done it then, we can do it again. Nothing can happen to us. The worst thing is we die. Okay, but then we move on on the other side. And that can be fun too. You've had, there's been so many amazing messages, honestly, I really thinking I'm going to, can't wait to re-listen to this interview. I've asked all the questions, Hans, is there something you'd like to speak to the Passion Harvest audience about? No, it's just sort of learn to love, learn to love and find the love for God and Christ. That's the only thing. And if the time gets more difficult, which they may or may not, that is a solid foundation that's in us. Everything is in us. The entire cosmos is in us. The essence of everything is in us. And we don't have to look outside for any strength. The strength is in us. So it's very, very important to find that the kingdom of God is in us. It's old lines. And we have to really grasp it, develop it, learn to meditate, calm your mind, and feel, feel the silence, the stillness in yourself. And really, and just enjoy it. Enjoy to be with yourself. That's it. Beautiful. And, and thank you for compressing all these big topics in one interview. <laughs> I just much. love your videos, Hans. I think you're amazing. And thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. It was an honor and a pleasure. And thank what you. a light, light you are in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.